This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Podcast. My name is Justin Freed, and I'm joined as always by my man, Mike Luciano. Mike, how are you doing today, buddy? What's going on? Well, uh, honestly, I'm more confused uh, than anything else because I thought that this was the end for Aaron Rodgers and who knows what's going to happen. You know, it's just not, it's not looking good. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, like a comet, here he comes back. At least he's returning to practice. We'll get into that. Like, he's returning to practice. That doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to play. That doesn't necessarily mean that really anything is guaranteed right now. But, I mean, he's he's back, which we didn't think he'd be back. He tore his Achilles 80 days ago or 79 days ago, one of those two. The fact he's not in a wheelchair – I mean, maybe he's on to something with this dolphin sex and crystal healing thing. Like, maybe he's on to something because this is a this is a miracle of modern medicine that we'll get into. Uh, we're, we're two and a half minutes in, Mike, and you already brought up dolphin sex. What are we doing? Oh, here? I got I got more references, but uh, I hope we'll, not in the same vein. <laughs> not to do, not dolphin sex related. That's it. That, that's your one per show. But b- before we get into all that. I want to let you guys know about a little message from our friends over at Sleeper because we are partnering with Sleeper Daily Fantasy to give new users a first deposit match up to 100 bucks. Just make sure to use the code FANSIDED2, F-A-N-S-I-D-E-D-2, when signing up to receive your deposit match. Please remember to always game responsibly. Scan the QR code on the screen to see if you qualify. And you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, wherever it may be to get your podcasts. We're on all those sites and YouTube and TikTok. Make sure you subscribe both there. Make sure you give this stream a like, too. Make sure you leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Again, for driving us up those review charts, not for ego reasons. So now that we got the housekeeping out of the way, Justin, Aaron Rodgers apparently is the best at what he does, even if what he does isn't very nice. Do you get that reference? Is it dolphin sex related? It's that's Wolverine's <laughs> catchphrase. Oh, okay. I okay. I didn't get that, but good reference. I'm sure many people got that. <laughs> right. So, yeah, Wolverine. It, it, that's apparently what he is. He's Weapon X. It's got to be just because there's no other way that I could explain somebody tearing his ACL or sorry ACL Achilles for crying out loud, having that happen, and then coming back that quickly because Aaron Rodgers is back at practice and his adamantium skeleton, everything. And it, I don't know what it means. Like if you're asking on a live podcast, kind of what it means. It's hard to really just get a definitive take because there's just so much. We don't know about where he is, what he's able to do. Like he can throw the ball and move around kind of, which most guys right now, the fact that they're not in a wheelchair it's a miracle because they can't move the ball and throw the ball and move around. 
Now he has a 21 day window open, meaning he's going to practice for pretty much the next couple of weeks. And then maybe just maybe he can come back for probably like the, what the last two, three games of the year, if possible, which would be one of them is the Cleveland Browns, who I definitely do not want to see him play with the state of this offensive line against Miles Garrett and all those other <laughs> amazing defenders that the Browns have. And then you got the Patriots afterwards, who I know the Patriots are terrible. I get all that, but this defense is still good. They still beaten the Jets a bajillion times in a row. I guarantee you, no matter what else is going on, that the Patriots are going to want to just kill the Jets. So certainly not an ideal situation because because he's not going to really get an easy game back into it if it happens. But at the same time, this team is dead right now. There's just nothing positive going on for this team right now. And maybe this gives them a shot in the arm. I don't know. Maybe there's some hope going into next year that, all right, at least like the dude can move around because that way there's not going to be a bunch of offseason questions about his mobility and where he's really at. I don't know, man. I, I'm cautiously optimistic, but it's better than being totally pessimistic, which is what I was before. It seemed inevitable for a while now that he would at least try to return to practice, whether that means he actually plays in a game again this season that's anyone's guess. Robert Sala was very non-committal about that today. Uh, it basically just sounds like they're opening up that 21-day window and they're going to reevaluate Rodgers. They're going to reevaluate where the team is at in three weeks. That 21-day window does put him in line if he were to come back to play on Christmas Eve against the Washington Commanders, which that was the the targeted return date for a while now, so that makes sense. Uh, who knows, man? I, I still think there's a good chance he does not end up playing. And I, if I were to put money on it right now, I'd say he probably does not play a game this season. But just the fact that he's returned to practice after, like you said, Mike, 79 days. I mean, it's it's under three months ago. He he tore his Achilles less than like two and a half months ago. He, he underwent surgery to repair a torn Achilles. And now he's back on a practice field, obviously practicing in a limited capacity. But just the fact that he's back is is a marvel of modern medicine, uh, sports medicine. And it goes a long way, I think, for the future of sports medicine, which that's honestly my biggest takeaway from this. Whether you like Aaron Rodgers, whether you like the Jets or not, this is a win for the sports medicine world. This is a win for all athletes. I mean, there's plenty of players this season who have torn their Achilles, from Elijah Rare Tucker to Kirk Cousins to, to even Jalen Phillips recently, who have either reached out to Aaron Rodgers or Aaron Rodgers has reached out to them with guidance and, and advice for how to recover from a torn Achilles. Because this is an injury that not too long ago was considered potentially career-threatening in a lot of in a lot of situations. And and even further back, it definitely was career threatening for a while. So the fact that now not, not even threatening ending, like if you got it, you were done. Yes, the longest time. And the fact that now we're talking about not only is you know is it not career ending, but you could return in a few months. That's amazing. And I know the Rogers situation; it's a unique situation. Uh, I understand that he's a quarterback; he's not a running back. It's it's definitely different when it, when that's the case. Uh, on top of that, I think he's in a unique enough situation where. I genuinely think this is the Jets' thought process. If he comes back and, say, worst-case scenario happens, he tears his Achilles again. He re-tears it. I think they believe he'd still be ready for training camp. And I, 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 he probably would be. So it's it's like one of those unique situations where I don't know how much this will be replicated going forward, but just the fact that it's on the table, that it's a possibility, goes a long way. So I don't know if he's going to end up playing, but we should all be be marveling at how amazing it is that, that Rodgers has been able to come back in as short of a time as he has. 
Now, I, I want to get where you're at in terms of do you even want him to play? Because there's two schools of thought, and they're both equally valid. The first being the more logical one of, oh, God, don't risk it. They're not going to be in the postseason hunt. They're probably going to lose the most of their games until he comes back because this offense can't do anything. And just don't put him out in harm's way. And, and I subscribe to that, or at least possibly I do, like partially. And then this other thought where I'm thinking with my head comes in, and I'm like, Right now, this team has nothing going for them. They have an amazing defense, and then the defense is welted because the offense is depressingly, unwatchingly bad. If he comes back just to even show that he did it, just to even be around the guys, because, again, he was supposed to be the leader, and then the leader went out immediately, and now there was no leader. Like, just to get him back and calm everybody down and say, all right, guys, I'm, I'm coming soon. Like, you can't really measure the impact that could have on this team going forward. Because imagine if he doesn't come back and they win, like, five games, and then all the offseason is going to be, why did or didn't they fire Sala or Hackett, and what's going to happen with Rodgers, and should they draft a quarterback? Like, it's just going to be all negative. If he comes back, even if they lose, and you just see him make a couple of Aaron Rodgers-y throws, you're like, all right, like, we we got something. Like, we got screwed with the injuries, an uncommon amount of quarterback and offensive line injuries pretty much all at once. Like, if that just doesn't happen then we got something here. And I, I don't really know which to kind of plant my flag. And I keep going back and forth between both of them. Yeah. I think I'm with you where I understand both sides. I know like people keep throwing out the word or the term risk reward. And then some will say, Oh, what's the reward? The jets are out of the playoffs. Well, the reward is you bring back Rogers in the same system. You're going to try and run next season and show that it can hopefully work. And if that does happen, that's a massive reward. If Rodgers comes back in, I would hope by then, I mean, knock on wood, would be a more, a healthier offensive line. Obviously, Elijah Barrett Tucker won't be back, but you're hoping to have guys like Becton and, and maybe Dwayne Brown and maybe Connor McGovern, Wes Schweitzer, hopefully to have these guys back by the time Rodgers would come back. And then he's playing in the same system with Nathaniel Hackett and you show that that can work. That goes a long way towards not only, I think getting the players to believe in believe in themselves going into next season, but maybe out outside the organization showing other players saying, look, Hey, we got screwed because Rogers got hurt. But now look what Rogers did like a couple of months off a of torn Achilles and it worked then that's a significant reward to me. And I think you could end up recruiting players. Obviously the risk is two things. One, the most obvious is he could just re-injure himself, which that would suck a lot. Even if he might be ready for training camp at the start of next season, it's not ideal to have a 40-year-old quarterback coming off of two major injuries, especially if it's the same major injury. The second downside is, well, what if it doesn't work? What if Rodgers comes back and the offense is still shit and Rodgers looks like crap? Then what do you do? Like, because you're still stuck with him next year, but now you're having to sell your fan base and sell the entire organization on, well, it just didn't work because he was coming off the injury. Well, maybe there's other issues at play here. Maybe Nathaniel Hackett is a problem. Obviously, the offensive line you hope to renovate in the offseason, but maybe that is a problem. Maybe the wide receiver room is a big problem. And maybe, in, in I think, the, the most extreme of circumstances and the biggest nightmare of all, maybe Rodgers just isn't that guy anymore. Maybe the, the Achilles injury was it for him, and now he's not going to be the same player he was. And even his last year in Green Bay, obviously, we can't ignore that he wasn't his same MVP caliber that he was the previous two seasons. So I see the risk-reward there. I think I'm more in the camp of just don't let him return. I think there's a lot more to lose than there is to gain. Uh, that said, if there is a chance that Nathaniel Hackett is fired, if Rodgers comes back and the offense still sucks, then I'm all for that. And if that's what it takes to get the Jets to make some offensive coaching staff changes, then sure. But I, I just don't think they would do that anyway. I'm probably in the camp that just says, 
let's let him rest until next season. Start Tim Boyle, Trevor Simeon, Zach Wilson, whoever the rest of the way. Get hopefully a top five pick and then reassess your roster after that. Well, part of the reason I'm not holding out hope about Hackett or anything like that is a report from Peter King, who is Peter King, and he knows his stuff, and he's kind of one of the best guys emeritus until he stops writing. He said that Rodgers has had, quote, pangs about his uh, influence Great word. within the team. And not necessarily that they kept seceding to his wishes because you, you don't make demands on the anticipation that they will get turned down normally. Like he wasn't hoping he, they would, he would go sign Randall Cobb and they'd go, no, that wasn't the problem. But it seems just from reading that and how Peter King kind of framed it, that Rodgers kind of had this, oh my God, what have I done moment where he realized how much of the Jets are really kind of built around him. And how much he more than he thought definitely going into it was just all right, Aaron, cover up all these problems. Because now he is, you know, a thousand feet away from the team and he's seeing what all the fans are seeing, which is the offensive line, like when healthy, it's okay. It's still not amazing. And then all the depth got massacred. So this is still probably not anything more than an average unit, even at full strength. He's seeing the wide receiver problems. He's seeing. Robert Sala still be a good defensive coach, but I don't necessarily think he strikes the right tone in terms of disciplining players sometimes. Like I think he's too hard on guys who may not deserve it all the time and too easy on guys who do. He's seeing certainly the Hackett problems. I mean, I think when you're in it, like Rogers defense for this offense has always been, well, I won two MVPs in it. So it works. And like kind of, yeah, but also like screw you. Like, you know that you're not a regular quarterback a little bit and also not the same offense that was matt lafleur's offense like with nathaniel hackett it wasn't only nathaniel hackett's offense you know right so that the 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 question i had like rogers i'm glad that he at least has enough self-awareness to realize like okay this is more on my shoulders than i thought and i probably made it more on my own shoulders than it probably needed to be what i'm curious to see how the jets react in the off season. And honestly, very early in the off season when it's, you know, do we bring back coaches or not? Like those decisions get made very quickly is how much weight are they going to put on Rogers opinion and his influence again? Because we keep coming back to hack it because we, it's solid seems like a lock to come back despite all the WFA and collars and Joe Douglas for all my concerns about him, like I think they're both going to get a mulligan because they planned for Aaron Rodgers and they never got him. And Robert Sala still is that NFL quarterback in three years. Hackett is the one where I could at least see like, all right, maybe there's a slight chance because certainly any other team performance wise, like he'd be going like Frank Reich was not performing very well. Carolina got rid of him. Like that offense was still marginally better than the jets. And that was rookie quarterback, no line, no receivers either. And they got rid of him. Any other team, any other quarterback, Hackett is for the second straight year not making it to the end of the season. Why is he, why are there no even thoughts of that? Well, it's because of Aaron Rodgers. So hopefully, what I hope Aaron Rodgers realizes too is sometimes players need to be protected from themselves and they need to have their opinions shot down and go, no, we're hiring this guy. Like Rodgers didn't grow up with Nathaniel Hackett. They weren't like best friends at the age of eight. He got brought on as Matt LaFleur's coordinator, and then that's when he took a liking to him. Maybe you'll take a liking to another offensive coordinator the Jets hire. How do you know? You won't if you keep sticking with Hackett. Yeah, I, I completely agree. The Jets need to tell Aaron Rodgers no. 
someone needs to tell him no. And the Jets really, I, I, look, I can't say exactly what's going on in those conversations. Like when they're bringing in Al Nazar and I can't say exactly what their thought process was. I can't say if they did that solely or even majorly, majority Lee, why? Majorly. Majorly why? Yeah, sure. Majorly because of Aaron Rodgers. Uh, primarily. Primarily. That's a better word. That's <laughs> the word. Uh, um, but I mean, I, I can probably say that, yeah, they probably signed Randall Cobb because of Aaron Rodgers. And I don't think there was any other way they would have signed Randall Cobb if Aaron Rodgers wasn't their quarterback. I imagine a very similar thing is true for Nathaniel Hackett. They brought in Hackett with the assumption that they would be trading for Rodgers. I know Hackett had some experience with Robert Sala in, in Jacksonville, I believe. I'm aware that he comes from a similar coaching tree. I get that. They brought him in primarily because of Rodgers. At least that would be the assumption that I, I would have. That said, I think we've seen a lot of the moves that Rodgers had influence in and I don't know if any of them have worked out, man. Like, I'm genuinely, I don't know if any of them worked out. Obviously, Rodgers seemed to be one of the the guys who was pushing for them to go out and sign Odell. Obviously, they did not sign Odell, but I don't think that would have been a good move if they went out and signed Odell. They tried. They definitely tried. They brought in Hackett, Alan Lazard, Randall Cobb, even you could say Billy Turner. I think Billy Turner was probably more of a Hackett decision than a a Rodgers decision. Uh, Dalvin Cook seems like Rodgers pushed for that one as well. And I know he's been a little bit better as of late, but – I don't think that they got the player that they were expecting to get. And that that's on the Jets. That's on Rodgers. So the Jets need to find a way to tell Aaron Rodgers no. And I think that also needs to apply to the end of this season. And unfortunately, we're seeing now that they're not going to tell him no. The Jets have already made it very clear that if Rodgers wants to return and he gets cleared by doctors, he's coming back. It doesn't matter what they're thinking about it. They're saying, look, it's on you, man. If you want to come back, it's all on you. I think this is a situation where the Jets should probably protect their own player and also say, look, really like genuinely what do we have to gain from this what do we have to gain from you coming back i know we just went over it there's a couple of things they have to gain but realistically they have a lot more to lose than they have to gain uh so i i just think that they need to find a way to tell them now yeah brian in chat saying maybe adrian amos is the lone rogers connection that that's some sort of worked out yeah i mean obviously they had the time in green bay but i'm not sure if amos like i'm not sure if amos came to the jets because of rogers uh, i do like amos and i think like I've been on this, I don't know, I forget how many times, I don't know if I've said this on the show, but you can make the case that, that Adrian Amos is the best safety on the Jets roster. They just don't use him uh, as much as they should. But ultimately, the majority of them have, have just not worked out. So they need to find a way to tell him no, whether that comes to off-season decisions, whether it comes to him returning. Because right now, in a lot of ways, he's holding the organization hostage. And that's something we've talked about in the show as well. I've written articles about it. He is. And I, I don't know if, if that's how he wants it. I know it's not how the Jets organization should want it. So they need to find a way to tell him that. Well, the, the thing with Rodgers, like we said this on the show too, like when he's playing and winning and throwing 25 touchdowns, 30 touchdowns a year, it's fine to be held hostage. You're fine with signing Billy Turner as a backup left guard. You're even fine with Randall Cobb coming on as wide receiver four or whatever. Like sure. when he does that, you're, you're fine with it. Then when he gets hurt, you only get the the tough parts of it, the bad parts of Aaron Rodgers. You get GM Rodgers, not QB Rodgers. <laughs> As Josh Kerr says, Chuck Clark going down was an omen. I mean, yeah, between Rodgers, yeah. who had missed a start in six years, and then Chuck Clark, who literally had never been hurt in his NFL career, getting hurt pretty yeah. much in like, what was it, a second practice or something like yeah, that? Yeah, it was It was May, right? Is it May or June? It was in May. like May or June. I think it might have been. Yeah, it was May because OTAs. I don't even think it was minicamp. I'm pretty sure he got hurt in OTAs, yeah. which is nuts. I'm like, come on. But yeah. – the, the thing with this, like how I – and this kind of ties into the earlier thing about him even being back in practice and when's he coming back and all that. Like 
I get the idea of they have they need to start telling him no. It's like, well, why would they start now? Like, you can't just give him everything he wants for nine months and then suddenly go no. Like, he's gonna be like, what the hell? I thought we were all on the same page about these things. It's like raising a it's like raising a spoiled child. Like once you spoil them, it's kind of hard to unspoil them, you know. And you can make that analogy, but not to say that Rogers is a spoiled child. That's not what I'm trying to say here. But I'm just using that analogy to say that's kind of how the Jets have treated him. They've treated him as as they put him up on on a pedestal, and he's making. I don't know. I say I don't want to say he's making the decisions, but he definitely influences a lot of decisions, a lot more than most quarterbacks do. Because sure, quarterbacks have say in decisions. Definitely when it comes to picking an offensive coordinator and coaching staff, if you already have an established quarterback in place they're going to help make decisions, but I don't think teams really do it to the extent that Rodgers have. I mean, they have in the past. We've seen it with Brady and the Bucks. We've seen it with Peyton and the Broncos, but obviously the difference here is that Rodgers got hurt. And, and the and difference, though, is, like, it's the decision. Like, I get listening to your star quarterback. The problem is Peyton Manning was like, go get me Wes Welker, and they did, and he was really good. And Brady was like, go get me Gronk and Antonio Brown before he went really loopy. Yeah. And they did, and it worked. Like, Rodgers is doing the same thing. It's just all the guys he picks are Billy Turner, and he's probably going to ask for Jake Kumaro at some point. Like, yeah. see, that's what I'm tr- struggling to weigh with. It's like, philosophically, I have no problem with asking your quarterback, who do you want as your third or fourth receiver? Because guys that aren't even Brady Manning probably get their way and things like that. Like, I totally get it. You want to keep your quarterback happy? Totally. But he keeps picking wrong, so you got to be like, all right, man, you keep picking bad things. Like eventually, like can you can you stop picking, kind of thing? Like it's so it's a tough you, balancing act to do. I, I'm envy that it's not my job to figure out how to make that all balance out. What we're saying is that Rogers needs to be friends with people who are better at their jobs. That's that's, that's basically what we're saying. Yeah, why? How come Rogers' friends are hacking? Why couldn't Rogers be friends with Kyle Shanahan or why, Ben Johnson? Why couldn't he be friends with DeAndre Hopkins? Like, well, why, <laughs> imagine he was friends with DeAndre Hopkins, dude. Like, Jets would have gone yeah. immediately. I just the the Hackett thing. Like, I know it's that to me. I think is more upsetting because it'd be one thing if like they just schematically were this perfect fit, and I mean they fit together to some degree. But it'd be one thing if it was just like this football marriage made in heaven. He's like, this guy knows what he's doing. Go get my guy. The, the thing that irritates me with the Hackett influence is it's very clear that it's not football related. It just seems like it's because he likes him as a guy and he's cool to be around. And again, I get the defense all the time. Well, you know, when, when I'm in the offense works and I win MVPs, it's like, okay, yeah, you're not Zach Wilson. You're not even an average quarterback. You're Aaron Rodgers. I get, I'm all for being humble, but you, come on, man. That's just, we, we know why Hackett worked and you know why yeah. you can say it. You can get a better coordinator in here. I'm sure you'll like whatever Shanahan guy that runs pretty much the same offense with just better play calling tendencies that they would bring in over Hackett. I'm sure you'd like him. Probably, but ultimately, look, this is what the Jets signed up for. They, they signed up for everything that comes with Aaron Rodgers. They signed up for a once-in-a-generation quarterback and one of the greatest players that ever played a position, and they signed up for a guy who, who – I think I, I'll, I'll be nice and just say has his flaws as a human being, probably, you know, as we all do. But they signed up for that as well. And unfortunately, they didn't get the quarterback because he got hurt after four plays. So they're only getting that side of Rodgers. They signed up for this. This is the regime. They plan to run it back with next year. As much as we could talk about how we hope Nathaniel Hackett's fired, I really don't see any scenario where they actually go through with that unless Rodgers comes out and says, hey, yeah, you could fire this guy. But I don't think he's going to do that. Uh, so they're going to run it back with the same regime next year. They just got to hope that a 40-year-old Aaron Rodgers coming off a torn Achilles 
is still good enough to get them to where they need to be. And I'm not, I, I don't mean that as like a pessimistic thing because I genuinely believe there's a reality where he could still be good enough. I, I do believe that. He's 41 in December too, people forget, because he's going to, his birthday soon. So next year he'll be 41 in December. Yeah, his birthday is uh, Saturday, I think. So this the Friday. second. Yeah, yeah, Saturday. So happy early is birthday. That, is that Saturday? I don't It's Saturday. Yeah, it's Saturday. I, I'm going to a concert Saturday. So I know that it's the second. There you go. Look at that. There you go. Uh, <laughs> so happy early birthday to Aaron Rodgers. I hope, I hope if he just tuned in now, he didn't hear me say, oh, you've got flaws. I mean, not that Aaron Rodgers ever listened to this, but you know what I mean. You, know what I mean. Uh, <laughs> hey, you never know. He, he, he's very. He's very like Kevin Durant like in that he just finds all these things about him. He's got rabbit ears. Like he's not Durant like I feel like Durant is more chronically online than Rogers, though. Yeah, he'll just like argue with just like a random high school kid who's like, actually, this your opinion on basketball is wrong, which is kind of hilarious. But Durant's got like Kevin Durant and (laughs) Durant's got like 50 different burner accounts that he'll just reply to. Rogers just likes tweets. That's what he does. Anyway, go on. <laughs> but uh, moving off Kevin Durant and moving back to football, we got Robert Sala again bringing the hammer out for one of his players, this time Brees Hall. And this is a, like, I, I will give Sala credit. Like, he always has said he's not going to just scream and yell in people's faces, which I've given Brian Dable a lot of crap for because the Giants, there's a lot of things wrong with the Giants. And Brian Dable is very quick to yell at people and make it seem like it's not his fault. Like, I at least respect – I'm sure Salah's hard on these guys when we don't see it. I, I can't believe that he's not at some point because these guys are playing poorly. And I get ripping offensive linemen and some of the quarterbacks. I think eventually he got beaten down with the quarterbacks where he's like, okay, fine, I got to be a little critical of these guys. But now he goes after Hall, who's literally one of two above-average players that the Jets have on this offense, him and – Garrett Wilson, where he basically said he's not really running for a lot of grimy yards, tough yards. And this this is a, a weird situation because on one hand, I could see people being like, how dare you criticize Brees Hall and Garrett Wilson? If they didn't have either of those guys, genuinely, they would have been shut out multiple times in the last couple of weeks, Wait, specifically on. because of the efforts of these two guys. Genuine question. I might be forgetting something, but who's the last player to store, score a touchdown that wasn't Garrett Wilson or Brees Hall? Is it Alan Lazard against the Chiefs? Was it Nick Bauden on the run? Wh- which game was that? Because I know Lazard scored against the Chiefs. When did Bauden score a touchdown? I- I'm pretty sure Wilson and, and Brees have scored their last, like, it, six touchdowns. You know where it is? It may have been Bryce Hall on the – or no, Eccles. Oh. Oh, you mean offensive. Oh, okay, Eccles. It was definitely Eccles, but offensively. Yeah, it was definitely Eccles. But offensively, who's the last offensive player? I don't think Conklin has one, right? No, I don't think no. Lazard scored one in the Chiefs game. I know that for a fact. I forget. I think ball. I forget when Bottom scored his touchdown. It might be Lazard. The bottom was the. Never mind. That was the Patriots game. It might be that. Yeah, Eccles has the pick six, but like offensively, it, it's. I think it might be Lazard, which is crazy. So anyway, that just. I just thought of that. Larger point being, without those two, this offense literally couldn't score points. So how dare you criticize him when you're not even that hard on Timmy Boyle, who's not an NFL player. But on the other hand, like he, I believe he only has one game in the last six-ish weeks or maybe five where he has over 50 yards rushing. And part of that is horrendous play calling and schematic design. Part of that is the offensive line, not an exaggeration, quite literally, is pulling people off the street to not only play but start Chris Glazer. Like that's literally what's happening. So I get a running back struggling in that degree, but there is some truth in that because, I mean, there have been some times where Brees – has gotten the ball third and one third and two. 
why didn't they throw it? Like sometimes people are just critical in hindsight, like on third and one, third and two, given the ball to your running back, who's your best offensive player. That seems like a, like a dummy. Like it, it makes sense. It makes a ton of sense. And he hasn't really got him. He reminds me of in both the good and bad ways of like Saquon Barkley's rookie year where, and even Saquon at Penn state, where there'd be a lot of like, Two yards, one yard, two yards, no yards, one yard, and then 45 yards. Big play guy. And I really don't know where I kind of side on this. I at least applaud Salah for trying to hold everybody accountable, even Brees Hall. I like that. But then again, we all know the main problem with this offense, Hackett, and he won't say anything about Hackett. So I can't get behind even ripping Alan Lazard. Like, yeah, Lazard has been really bad. I'm not going to say that Lazard's been playing really well. But he's not the problem. Hell, Zach Wilson, I thought, was the number two problem with the offense. He's not number one. We know who number one is. And we don't hear a peep from him out of that. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100% on that last point. I, and I think I said this in the past, that it's going to get to a point where if the criticisms keep flying for the players, and it's not like Robert Sala is going out there and criticizing every player every week, but we've now seen him be a little bit more vocal and upfront with his criticism of players first with, I mean, with the Lazard comments, that was, we didn't really get to talk about that actually on the last show. I don't think, but he specifically said, like he straight up said, Lazard's going to be here for another year and a half. And it's like, damn, bro, you signed him into a four-year contract a few months ago. Crazy. You're already talking. Like he said the quiet part out loud. He said, look, we, we got out of this contract after next year and we're going to take it. That's basically what he said. Uh, so I think that's about as, as public of a criticism as you can get. Then we also had the Brees Hall comments, which look, to be fair, I think there is some truth to what he's saying, but I also think it's the same thing as saying, Oh yeah, Garrett Wilson should stop fumbling and dropping passes. It's like, yeah, he should, but you're ignoring context for why that's probably happening. All of these players on offense are pressing. They are pressing hardcore. They are trying, specifically Garrett Wilson and Brees Hall, are trying to score on every single play that they touch the ball. Every time that they have a target, they're trying to score. So I'm not surprised at all that the little mental errors are there, like Brees Hall dropping pitches. Never done that in his career before. He's now done that twice this year. Why? It's not because he just suddenly forgot how to catch the ball. He's pressing. He's trying too hard. He's trying to do too much. And I think we're seeing that with every every carry he gets. Instead of trying to grind out those yards, as Robert Sala says, he's trying to he's trying to hit the home run because the two three run two three yard runs they're not helping this offense. And I don't think if Brees Hall was was grinding out those yards as Sala says, I don't think the offense is any better. It's probably worse. So like I get it. I do understand it. And if you look at the analytics, they'll actually agree. Like. Brees Hall, I'm pretty sure, has had negative rushing yards over expected in his last, like, five or six games. So, yeah, the O-line's bad, but he's also not living up to how good he should be. But there's context for that. There's a reason for that because he's not trying to get grind out yards. And it's also, like, I know what Sal is saying when he says that. He's like, oh, yeah, I want to get those four or five-yard gains. I don't think you're getting that even if, even if Brees Hall is trying to grind out those yards, even if he is running north-south between the tackles just trying to power his way forwards because he can do that. He's a big guy. I don't think you're getting that because the O-line is just not getting a push. He's getting hit behind the line of scrimmage almost every play or at the line of scrimmage almost every single play. So it's a lot harder to grind out yards when you're doing that. So I get where he's coming from, and I think I think there is some truth to it, but there's a lot of context. There's a lot of context that needs to be stated, and it's for anybody blaming Garrett Wilson or Brees Hall, like, yeah, you could blame them for small things like that, and, and, and I do think they are part of the reason the offense has been bad. But there's a reason they're doing that. It's it's a snowball effect. They're doing that because the offense is bad. They're, the offense isn't bad because they're doing it. It's not the other way around. 
the Jets this year, this coaching staff, are masters of saying things that are technically correct. Yeah. You don't want to get – it's like, well, like you're not wrong, but also like come on. Like we said it earlier with the Rodgers, Hackett's offense can work because it works when I'm in it. It's like, yeah. And we alluded to this in the last show too where I'm sure a lot of them are just going to say, you know what? There's just a ton of bad injury luck this year. Who could win with this bad injury luck? And also like, yeah, but also you're scoring literally six points every single week. If your defense doesn't allow 13 points and force like three or four turnovers, which is a superhuman feat, you literally can't win. So like, yeah, Brees Hall, he should be better in short yard situations than he is, especially when he was getting top 10 back in the league hype and he was breaking off all those runs, and he's pretty much the focal point of the offense, so much so that they pretty much threw Dalvin Cook on the bench to give Hall almost all the carries. Like, you got to hold him to a higher standard. And it's like, yeah, I, I get that. I really do get that. But also, because of the, the state this offense is in, with Boyle in and people clamoring, hands and knees begging for Trevor Simeon to get in, this is, we're never going to see this again. A player on the practice squad a quarterback specifically get this level of support from a fan base to please get him in the game specifically and, a veteran. that's the level we're at so so at the end of the day like if, when there's all these big structural problems to rip anything and you say Brees Hall should be better in third and one third and two situations it's like I, I get it but that's problem number seven on the offense right now beyond they can't throw the ball they can't complete passes and the offensive line can't block anybody yeah, like specifically with the with the the practice squad thing, specifically a veteran, like getting that kind of hype is crazy. Like we all know what Trevor Simeon is. It's one thing for like an undrafted rookie to be like, hey, let's give him a chance. Like no one's like, hey, let's give Trevor Simeon a chance to see if he can be the guy. It's, hey, give him a chance because we know he's probably better than our other options. Uh, but yeah, I'm with you with the Brees thing. Like there's, there's a lot of other players it would make sense to probably criticize before you go to Brees Hall. Now, to be fair, Brees Hall seemingly did respond to it on Twitter and basically was like, there's nothing wrong with constructive criticism. So I don't think he took any offense to it. And it does seem to be that the players aren't necessarily upset with any of that stuff. Like I'm sure Lazard, even himself, kind of understood it. I'm sure he was not. I mean, I can't say I'm sure, but I would hope he wasn't moping about being benched and, uh, to to his credit or to Salah's credit, whatever. Robert Salah did say today that Alan Lazard will be back on Sunday. So he will be active this week. Maybe it's at the expense of Jason Brownlee. I don't know. If they get Justin Hardy back, could be at the expense of Earl Charles. I don't know, because Hardy's window was opened this week as well. So he could be back as soon as this week. Um, but yeah, I, I, it doesn't seem to have phased Brees all, so that's good. But maybe there's other players you can criticize. Maybe someone like a Max Mitchell or something who has genuinely been awful this season. I know that Salah continues. Maybe maybe the counter argument is like they're so bad that you can't even like if it's constructive criticism. It's like yeah. imagine if Salah ripped into Chris Glazer. It's like what do you want to say <laughs> well, about Chris Glazer? Yeah. I don't want him like the Carter Warren stuff. Like he's saying Carter Warren's playing well and stuff. I don't necessarily agree, but also I don't think Salah's going to go up there and be like, yeah, this mid-round rookie who missed a lot of the summer, who we didn't expect to play, who's only playing because of so many injuries, has been terrible. Like, I don't expect Howard Salah to say that, because why would he say that? Just look at the context, look at the situation that this player's been put in. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I... Gregory Freeman in chat, Robert Salah needs to STFU. These guys will leave as soon as the rookie deals expire. Are you aware of the preposterous amount of money Sauce Gardner and Garrett Wilson specifically yeah. are going to get thrown at them in two years? And I also don't think the play... Like, again, Brees Hall literally responded and is like, yeah, it's fine. Like, the, say what you want about Robert Salah. He has never lost the locker room in the sense that these players still love and respect him. 
And I don't know if that will ever change. They, Robert Sala has something about him where the players will always, always respect him. He's one of the most respected coaches amongst players in the NFL, not just players in the Jets, amongst players in the NFL. So I don't think anybody, any player in the Jets locker room is hearing what Sala says and being like, oh, man, what an asshole for calling me out like that. Now, if anything, the only issue that I would have, the only concern I would have is why isn't he also treating the coaching staff that way? Like, why isn't he also saying maybe we could do this better on offense with Nathaniel Hackett? But I think we know why he's not doing that. Like, maybe they that's why they they haven't revolted against Hackett, too, where they're like, like, like they're not angry at what's going on. They're just more like they're more disappointed in the way of like, oh, man, like we can't score more than 13 points. Yeah, but it's like we all know why, like Tim Boyle's playing like it'd be one thing like if they were if Rogers was playing and they were having like this, like there'd be a full on mutiny. If Zach yeah. Wilson continued to play, I think just because they're just so sick of the same old, same old, I think there would have been another minor mm-hmm. incident that Salah would have had to, you know, tamp down with Boyle. in, I guess everybody's just apathetic and they're like, Oh man, try again next year, I guess. Like, you know, that's just me outside looking in. I think also like, I think the offensive players are under, they're in a situation too. Cause when you're on, when you're on an offense and you can't score any points, you're not just going to point fingers at the offensive coordinator. It's everyone. Like everyone on that offense is looking at themselves and saying, man, I need to do better too. And we've seen it from Garrett Wilson. We've seen it from Brees Hall because they're not playing at their best. And I think they're, they're fully aware of that. Garrett Wilson has, has been very vocal about how he needs to be better with his ball security. And then, you know, he's had drops and the fumbles, like he, he fully knows that. And I think Brees Hall is fully acknowledging that as well. I think that plays a part in it as well. Um, I, I just don't, I don't think they're going to turn on the coaching staff because they also really specifically the offensive players, they need to be better too. But Mike, I think it's time for a segment that I've been looking forward to. For a little while yes this is justin's <laughs> baby here so i'm sure that all of you guys who are spotify people have been posting their spotify wraps online now how about we do a little jets version jets yeah. wrapped <laughs> I, i'm excited for this i want to because like i didn't want to come out here on on today and just talk about the jets for an hour because like I'm I'm bummed, man. I don't want to talk about this team for an hour. I don't want to talk about the same old, same old. Obviously, we had the Rogers stuff, which was great to talk about. But let's do a little Jets wrapped. All right. I got my Spotify wrap this morning. That was fun. I was looking through it and I was like, let's let's just maybe, maybe, you know, put like a Jets twist on this. Let's do a little Jets wrap. So we're gonna go through top five players. We're gonna talk about some of the maybe the worst players this season, or top three players, whatever we decided on. Uh, maybe some position groups. And I also have a little fun like stats game that I'm gonna play, which we'll explain in a little bit. But first. Let's do, let's just start off with the, the most basic, the most general top players this season. Let's open our Jets wrap. Let's let's take a rewind through the entire season and say, all right, who are our top three players for the Jets this season? I even brought on props, just spot yeah. of the moment. I had physical unwrapping props. Oh, I didn't know. I didn't know that's what you were doing. I was on my microphone <laughs> box. Yeah, but <laughs> <laughs> I was very, I didn't, I thought you were opening like a shoe box. It's called know. physical comedy. Look it up. No. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Mike. Top three Jets players this season. Who is your number three? My number three. Well, I actually didn't rank them one through three, but if I had to go three, <laughs> I'm going to have to go with my boy Bryce Huff. All right. I Shout mean, through all of the crap, all of the nonsense that has happened on this Jets team, dude's, dude's playing well again. Playing so well. That even though I think actually Will McDonald has looked pretty good when he's played, like legitimately he's been very good, I think, when he's played. 
There's not even really a thought of getting him a ton of more snaps because you got this guy who still, I think, has the best get-off time in the league, one of the best pressure-to-sack rates in the league, one of the best pressure rates in the league. Hard to say really anything negative about Bryce Huff because the big concern was can he play every down as a run defender? And, yeah, bet he can. Yeah, I, I obviously we've talked about Bryce Huff so many times on this podcast and, and how amazing he is. The secret is well and truly out with him. He's not, unfortunately, he's unfortunately not on my list, but I did have him as one of my honorable mentions. This was tough. I think it's it's actually pretty tough to, to make this list. I mean, obviously, we're talking only defensive players here. The only offensive players we would consider would be Garrett Wilson and Brees Hall. And I mean, I don't I don't want to speak for you, Mike, but I don't think they're 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 not on my list. Uh, and I don't think they're gonna be on yours as well. There's a couple of guys I really felt bad leaving off. Bryce Hopp was one of them, but I'm gonna go my number three, start us off with CJ Mosley. Because I think C.J. Mosley, I don't think people are talking enough about how great he has been this season because there's so much attention being paid to Quincy Williams, rightfully so. But C.J. Mosley might be having the best season of his entire career. And that's saying a lot for a guy who's made, I think, four or five All-Pro teams in his career. Uh, he was second-team All-Pro last season. I don't know if he fully deserved that. He absolutely deserves to be pro or All-Pro this season, whether it's first team or second team. C.J. Mosley's balling out. He's the heart and soul of this Jets defense. His, his leadership is invaluable, and he just also happens to be playing the best football of his entire career. So C.J. Mosley is my number three on your Jets wrapped for this season. My number two, certainly not looking very good in spite of the last couple of weeks, but screw it anyway. Even over guys like Brees Hall and Quincy Williams and Quinnen Williams, Garrett Wilson. Wow, you put Garrett Wilson on here. Okay, all right. I, I stand corrected. He literally, he, can this team do it? Imagine Garrett Wilson's not on this team. Who is the number one receiver? Uh, Xavier Gibson. <laughs> do, do, do I need to say anymore? Tim Boyle to Xavier Gibson is the is what you want to have happen in your passing game without him? Does, does any guy have a wor- like great receiver like this have a worse collection of talent around him in a passing game? Quarterback, receiver, scheme, everything? No. And he's still putting up numbers. He's going to get 1,000 yards again this year. He's going to get 1,000 yards in his first two years back-to-back with literally no NFL quarterbacks. One and a half Mike White with a half of a quarterback. He's going to get a 1,000. I, I got to put him up there. Willie Fumble, bite me. He's the only reason you guys have points and you guys don't have 80 yards passing every game. Yeah, I mean, you're not wrong. I, I think if we're going most valuable players, he might be number one. Like, he might be the most valuable player in this entire roster. I just couldn't stomach putting any offensive player in this list for obvious reasons, but I have no issues with you putting Garrett Wilson there. I'm sticking with linebacker at number two, and I'm saying Quincy Williams, my number two player for the Jets this season on our 2023 Jets wrapped. You cannot – I don't know if you could find a player in the NFL that has taken a bigger step forward than Quincy Williams. If the NFL had a most improved player award like the NBA does – Quincy Williams would probably be the front runner for that because he went from a guy who I th- I thought going into the season was a fringe starting linebacker. Legitimately. That was kind of the assessment of him. I thought that the contract the Jets gave him was honestly maybe even a little bit more than he deserved uh, given what he had put on tape before that. He's a very inconsistent player. All of that's gone now. He has not only become a, a more consistent player, obviously, overall, but he's genuinely one of the best linebackers in the entire NFL and one of the most impactful players on the entire Jets roster. Can't say enough great things about Quincy Williams. And a contract now looks like one of the best bargains in the entire NFL. Uh, so I, I, Quincy Williams had to be in my top three. He's my number two. I mean, he, him and his brother are probably four or five mm-hmm. with Mosley six in my estimation. But for number one... Mm. Hasn't been perfect this year for him. 
It's certainly, I don't think, maybe as good as last year, even though it's still very good. But I can't look at someone who I think is the best cornerback in the league and not put him at number one. So Jet Press interview subject, Sauce Gardner, still number one on my 2023 Jets rap. He is so good that he can just give up regular 20-yard completions that other cornerbacks give up two times every single game. He can give up one of them in three weeks, and people will still find ways to hate. I've truly never seen anything like it because he's a good young guy with a cool nickname, and he's funny. Like Normally, that should be everything people love, but people don't like him for some reason. I don't know why. Sauce is the best player on this Jets team. They're going to give him an obscene, eye-watering contract the second that they can. Yeah, you know, Mike, I couldn't agree anymore because Sauce Gardner is also my number one player. I don't I don't want to hear any of the talk about, oh, he's having a down year. If down year means he's still fifth in PFF coverage grade, I will take that down year every single day of the week. I think Sauce Gardner is still one of the best defensive players in the entire NFL. It felt really shitty leaving DJ Reed off this list and leaving Quinn and Williams off this list. Even Jermaine Johnson deserves a shout out because he's been awesome these last few weeks. If he was doing what he's been doing the last, like, Six weeks. If he did that the first five weeks of the season, I think he's on this list. Uh, but Jermaine Johnson deserves a shout out as well. But ultimately, Sauce Gardner, I think, is still the best player in the Jets roster. I still think he's had an amazing season, regardless of whether it may not be as elite as last season. I mean, this is a, this is how the cornerback position is. Every year, there's a different player who is the best at that at, at his position at any given time. That's how it works. I mean, you could argue this year it's probably Deron Bland, given all the interceptions and the pick sixes in terms of value he adds. Uh, but I think Sauce Gardner is still one of the most elite players in the entire NFL. I think he's the best player in this Jets roster, and I would say that he is – my number one for my for our Jets wrapped in 2023. It's a, it's a unanimous decision. We both agree it's Sauce Gardner. So now I believe you had a second part of this, didn't you, Justin? So we have a couple things. I want let's do let's do bottom three players next. Let's do bottom three players. Which this is not really in the spirit of Spotify Wrapped, but I feel like I feel like we can't just be all positive about the Jets. But this right was now. harder than the top one. It was because there's a there's a lot of candidates here. I I started it off. I'll give you my number three to start it off. This was tough. And in fact, I just made a last second change right, right before I did this. I originally had Alan Lazard as my number three. I dropped him off the top three just because I still think he's better than what we've seen from him. My number three is Randall Cobb. I don't know what else there is to say about him. I mean, you could argue he's the worst. That'd be fine. I wouldn't disagree. He's washed. He's not good. He's not a good, <laughs> he's not an NFL caliber wide receiver anymore. I mean, we, I had a whole rant about him for about 30 minutes, a few months, like a couple months ago or like a month ago. You can go check that out. If you want to hear me talk about Randall Cobb, but he's bad. He's my number three. I don't think there, anything else needs to be said. He's my number two. So, okay. Okay. Who's your he's number my three? Number two. I, what else more needs to be said? The guy was a starting number three wide receiver who played half the snaps every game. And he had three catches before they yep. took him out. Like that, that's impossible. That should be impossible. It was, it was hard to do in the seventies when they barely did three receiver sets. And yet here we are with Randall Cobb again. My number three, so ahead of Randall Cobb at two, I guess technically ahead, quote-unquote, would be C.J. Uzama. Yeah. Because this was another guy we've been banging the drum for forever, taped this guy out of the game. There's just no utility. And the things he's good at, Jeremy Ruckert is also good at. Now, will it make a difference in their offense materially? No. But we were saying for weeks they weren't even trying the simple things that could fix this offense. One of them being Ruckert and Uzama out. It seems they finally got the memo. He's probably not going to be back next year. 
totally nice guy. Him and Hackett are probably a hoot, probably a riot together. Him and Tim Boyle, too. They're probably all great hangs. They got to be the Jets got to have like the best hangouts, man, because those that's the only reason I could see why those three guys are still on the team. Yeah, we saw that on Hard Knocks, how, how fun that, that group is. Uzama just missed the list for me. Maybe I'm being too mean. Maybe I'm being a dick. Uh, but I, I have Zach Wilson as my as my number two. I, he's probably your number one, actually. Now that I'm oh, you bet right. he is. <laughs> Zach Wilson's my number two. I, I'll, I'll, I'll spoil it now and just go right to it. Tim Boyle's my number one. You could flip them. I, I can't I, even I put him care. on there. He's so like it's. You could flip them. I just think Tim Boyle is not a, a rosterable player in on any team. I don't know if he makes an XFL roster. So I, so I got Tim Boyle as my number one. But if you wanted to flip him with Zach, if you want to put Cobb there, if you want to put Ozama, I'm not going to argue it. I honestly don't care. Zach's my number two. I, he's just not an NFL caliber quarterback right yeah, now. You ever see, you, know, you know the New York Times food critic? Imagine if they went to a McDonald's and they're like, "This burger sucks." It's like, man, what'd you expect? <laughs> Well, like we know he's he probably knows he sucks it's true he knows also, that he can't execute these things like wilson at least had wilson may not have been number one if it not have been for the truthers he would oh, have been two oh, or three. Oh, so you're you're letting the outside the outside fan influence your your decision okay I, hey, I justin this is not <laughs> this is not a difference of opinion this is watching uh, allegedly watching an entire game and completely misunderstanding reality and saying not only is Zach Wilson not bad, but he's actually good, and every single person around him is making him not good. That's the level of psychosis you have to believe to be a Zach Wilson truther, and there's millions of them. I, love God, I will never visit the state of Utah in my life because of this. This is a great comment. I don't even like Jaron Hall now because of what Zach Wilson has done to BYU in my mind. All right, I see why Zach Wilson's your number one. We got, we got Josh and Chats and Zach Wilson better get learn, ready to learn XFLian. That's I love that that uh, Adam Silver meme. That's a oh, great he's gonna meme. dominate for the Seattle Sea Dragons. He's gonna Woody. dominate. Woody, Woody, really? I don't know. I actually, I'm actually really interested. I want to hear what others in chat have to say about who are your top three players, your top three, your bottom three players. I'd love to see that as well. Uh, who did we? We already covered your top three, right? For your bottom yep. three. Yeah. All right. So we got the bottom threes out of the way really quick. Let's just do position groups. We'll, we'll, we'll like zoom through these because this, this is basically genre. Think of this as like this genre. So your top genres on your Spotify rap, this is top position groups. I thought this was pretty easy in terms of there's a pretty clear top three. I'm just going to read all three of them at once. I think number three, D line, number two, linebacker, number one corner. Do you disagree? I'm going to say offensive line just because I know they got the injuries, but like, I can't look at this line. The top three unit? Oh, oh, the other way. This is my bottom yeah, three. The top three, top three. I was about to say, Mike, Look, you're Zach. You're Zach right yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much in line with you there. I'm pretty much in line with you about the defensive line and the cornerback. Pretty much the, the defense. Yeah. Every the position defense. group Every position group on defense outside of safety. Yeah. And then my bottom three, I don't think it needs to be said. Offensive line, quarterback, wide receivers, marginally above running backs. Yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't even do a bottom three, but I think I agree with you. Running back, I think Reese brings up running back, so I didn't want to fully bring them down. Although I will say Michael Carter was on my honorable mention for uh, for worst players, for bottom three, for bottom three players. Uh, but yeah, offensive line, qu quarterback is one. Quarterback's one. I'll say wide receiver two because they're just fully healthy and they still stink. Offensive line is going to be three for me, but they're all they're all really bad. 
Uh, all right. Last part of Jets Wrapped. This is the part I think I was I was most excited about. So how this is going to work is I have a list of stats here. This is going to be – think of this as like your minutes listen, listened or whatever. That's the correlation here. I have a list of stats. I'm going to read you a number, and you have to tell me. Some of these are going to be easy. Some of them are going to be hard. You have to tell me what statistic that number corresponds to. Now, start with an easy one, and okay. it's going to be all related to like the Jets' current season, right? If I tell you the number four – what is the first thing that comes to mind? The number of plays that Aaron Rodgers has played this year and the yes. number of wins they have. It is also the number of wins. I, there's multiple correct answers for that. But I, the, the answer we were looking for was the number of snaps that Aaron Rodgers played before he tore his Achilles uh, is four. Four snaps. So that, Sorry. I had to. I feel like that every, defines Every time that. I hear it, it's like it just happened. It, yeah, I, I will, as a spoiler, a lot of these numbers are not very positive. Uh, it was hard to find significant positive ones that had, a, had notable meaning. Anyway, let's maybe maybe go a little more positive with this one. So we had four for that one. What about 79, Mike? What about 79? This is a new one. It's a new one. We talked about it on the show. I'm going to guess it's related to defensive pressures. No, no. We, we just talked about this on the show. Remember, we were talking about what, it's related to number one. Oh, the days, the days, days, 79 days. By the way, the record beforehand for coming back from an Achilles injury, I believe is like 170 something for Cam Akers. He basically cut it down from hundred. Yeah. So this guy, this is crazy. We called it before a medical miracle. Like it, I almost, part of me is like assuming he's not fully healthy. So I'm like, I can't even call it a medical miracle because medically it didn't even get finished yet. Like this is yeah. such a weird situation. It is, but yeah, the correct answer was 79 days in between uh, when Aaron Rodgers tore his Achilles to when he returned to practice, which that is, it's remarkable, it's unbelievable. Uh, next one, 41. 41? You remember, you remember what this is? This was another long-running jet stat that recently ended. Oh, the drives. This was how yeah, long they went. Consecutive drives without a goddamn <laughs> touchdown in a league where teams score three touchdowns every single game. That is correct. 41 offensive possessions without a touchdown spanning from week eight to week 11. Uh, this is a great spot. Uh, and then right they broke the it with a freaking dump off check down. To they did, yeah. It was basically like a handoff. Then that's the only reason they won that. Well, not the only reason, but it's one of the only reasons they won that giant or not the Giants game. The, uh, the, the, or no, that was week. Uh, week, week what about yeah, that, was, that was the check down to brace and then went crazy. That was in week eight. Yeah. The week 11, they just, they just snapped it in week 11. Um, yeah. But anyways, now that's 41. The next one, or maybe, get, I don't know if this could be harder, but 13. I can give you a hint if you need one. I'm, that's, that sounds like the number of offensive linemen that have played. <laughs> you nailed it. That is exactly Whoa. What this, is. this is Guess the Jet on steroids. That, yes, it is. This is 13 is the n dip, number of different offensive linemen who have played in a game for the Jets this season. Mike, as an added bonus, do you think you can name all 13 of those offensive linemen? There's one that might trip you up. It Chris Glazer, because we said that before. <laughs> what a way to start. Becton, Tomlinson, McGovern, Vera Tucker, mm -hmm. Dwayne Brown, Joe Tittman, yeah, Xavier yeah. Newman, okay, Max Mitchell, Billy Turner. Yep. How many do I got left? Uh, three, I believe. I, I want to make sure you're not repeating. Uh, no, Jake Hansen. Jake Hansen. That's the one I thought would trip you up because he played like three snaps. He barely played the end of the Bills game. Uh, I think, yeah, you're missing. You're missing two. Tackle or guard? Uh, 
guard and both, both tackle and guard. Both guards. Oh dear. Well, no, no, one, one tackle, one guard. Schweitzer. Schweitzer, that's one. You didn't say him. I already said Vera Tucker. Uh, yeah, one tackle left. Mitchell, Mitchell, Mitchell Brown. You got Mitchell. You got Mitchell. Turner. Uh... Oh. <laughs> it sucks how hard this is. It shouldn't, like, it's insane. No, that no team should have to worry about this. I know. <laughs> we'll get to the Falcons later. They haven't. They're healthy all year. Yeah. Do you know, you know what it is? You got me. It is currently your oh your, Carter Warren. Your left tackle. It's Carter Warren. <laughs> but uh, poor I, look, guy wasn't even supposed to play. Uh, you got Jake Hansen, so shout out to you because he played about three snaps at right guard. I think last I just week, remember that because I was I had to go to Thanksgiving and I was saying earlier like part of the problem with Thanksgiving is you got to talk football with people that watch like a couple games a year and they're like the yeah. Jets offensive line is the worst I've ever seen and I had to keep reiterating about Jake Hansen. <laughs> Jake. Like they're not going to know who Jake Hansen is, but like, that's just why, I, why he's on the brain. Yep. So I, I'm glad you got that 13. I, I, that was impressive that you got that. The next one, you might be able to get this too. Negative 86. <laughs> Times I've had fun watching the Jets this year. Uh, no, good guess. Good guess. <laughs> God, it I is probably a yards. Is that like something EPA related? Oh, oh, you're right on the money. Yes, it 100% is. Who's EPA? The offensive you EPA? Wilson's EPA? Hackett? That is Zach Wilson's cumulative EPA this season. By far the worst in the NFL. So for those that don't know, EPA, that basically means Zach Wilson just by playing has cost the Jets 86, 86 points. 86 points, yeah. It's estimated points added, so that means that Zach Wilson has cost the team 86 points. Second worst is, I believe, Bryce Young with negative 74. No one else is above negative 61. Only two others are above negative 30, 30 that have actually played this season a significant amount. Uh, so are they? really bad, like just really bad. Who are the other two? Um, uh, Mac Jones and Daniel Jones. Oh, we're real elite company that <laughs> Zach Wilson finds himself not even close to tangentially close. Somehow to. Clayton Toon is negative 36 EPA, which is unreal considering he played like one game, he played one game. So that's insane for Clayton Toon. This poor um, guy. Oh, and then Tommy DeVito is like negative 30 something, but he's, he's also not played a ton. Um, but anyway, so that's that's negative 86. We got a positive one. 35. I'll have to give you a hint. It is defense related. 35. Sacks? No, it's a, it's a specific player related stat. One player. I wanted to be positive. So right, soft pressures. No, that's a really good guess. It's oh. it is Quincy Williams run stops. You probably weren't gonna get that. I just wanted to be nice. Quincy Williams leads the league in run stops, so I wanted to throw that out there. That is a positive Jets related stat that is notable because he leads the league in run stops on top of I believe having the highest coverage grade amongst all P uh, all PFF linebackers. So Quincy Williams, shout out to you. You've been awesome. I had to throw out a positive one there. We'll get back to the negative now. Um, twenty eight. Twenty eight. Twenty eight. This is this is snaps related, playing time related. Number of snaps Michael Hardman had. Boom! <laughs> 28 is the number of snaps that Michael Hardman played before he was traded away from the Jets, which, again, I feel like that's a notable thing that happened this season. So I threw that one on there. He would have been wide receiver one if Wilson was out, well, you, which means wide yeah. receiver two. Why couldn't I just say that? He would have been wide receiver two. He would have been wide receiver two because, <laughs> you know, because somebody was benched. Speaking of somebody was benched, I'll spoil the next one, although you probably get to get it anyway. 44 million. Oh, it's Lazard's. <laughs> 
Lazard got generational wealth for this season, man. <laughs> I would have also, I could have also used 22 million, which is the amount of guarantees that they gave him, which happened to be the most guaranteed money of any wide receiver in this year's uh, free agent class. But yes, 44 million is what the Jets paid Al Lazard to play 10 games before he was benched this offseason. Last one, one. This is a very times, times game, games I've enjoyed watching end to end. I, it's it is games related. I really thought you had that for a second. It's games, games where they didn't suck ass. What is it? Uh... No. <laughs> <laughs> one, one is the number of games that the Jets have won this season where a player didn't tear their Achilles. Are you serious? Yes. Is Rodgers in the Buffalo? Barrett Tucker in, Tucker in Denver, and Al Woods against the 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 Giants. Oh, you're right. Al Woods was an Achilles. You're right. The, the Eagles game is the only game the Jets have won this season where a player on their own roster did not tear their Achilles. And I thought that Josh Kerr says games with over thirty points. Yes, that's also true. That's the Broncos game. Games with multiple. Yeah, there's a lot of acceptable answers for this one. Games one game with multiple offensive touchdowns. <laughs> This was a mistake. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So that, that's that's the one game they lost to a Mac Jones. There's a lot of one reasons. Game, one game they lost. One game that we've been forced to watch Tim Boyle play. It'll be two this coming Sunday. Um, yeah, that's that's one game they have to play against the Falcons. We we could touch on that really quickly. Yeah, we do. We, we, that's that's your Jets wraps. I had fun doing that. I hope you had fun, Mike. I want to see everyone else send me their Jets wrap as well. I don't know. Send me it on Twitter. I don't know. Do something. Put it in the comments. Whatever. Your Jets wrap. Top players, worst players. Different funny stats that you got. I think it's really fun. Uh, it's a. It's a. It's basically the follow up to the the Woodies earlier in the year, which I will find a way to bring that up. I don't time. want it to be called that. You keep making it that. <laughs> it's so funny though. It's so. Oh, uh, one one drive with Aaron Rodgers. There's another one. Yep. That's, <laughs> that's another one. Brian says in chat. All right. Let's talk Falcons preview really quick. I don't know what we're gonna say. Oh, really? Really quick. Really quick. Really quick. Uh, 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 ad read really, <laughs> it's going off the rails. show. We got going on here really quick. We got ad read from our friends over at sleeper. The jet press is partnered with sleeper daily fantasy to give new users a first deposit match up to a hundred dollars. Make sure to use our code fan sided too. It is on the screen right there. When signing up to receive your deposit match, please remember to always game responsibly scan the QR code on the screen to see if you qualify again. Shout out sleeper is the only fantasy app that I use. I say that all the time. Uh, and yeah, they are, they're pretty good. Also one game with Austin cyber. Wow. That's a deep cut, man. That's a Oh, that's awesome. What dude, I actually forgot. He played a game for the jets this season. I forgot he existed. Which one was that the Broncos? Um, it was the Dallas game. It was the Cowboys the Dallas game. game. You're right. Yeah. Cowboys game. And he had, shout out Austin cyber. He is the best kicker in jets history by field goal percentage. So good for him. <laughs> anyway, Jets Falcons. The weird thing about this is obviously no team is a good matchup for the Jets right now. And a lot of teams are bad matchups because they literally can't score. I actually think the Falcons could be a worse matchup than people think. Earlier in the year before the offense really cratered, I was actually telling or not telling personally, but I was pining for Nathaniel Hackett to operate like what Arthur Smith was doing in Atlanta, oddly enough, because Bijan Robinson as a running back is so talented and so good. And they kept finding creative ways to get him and Tyler Algier the ball, but mostly Robinson. And they kept winning games. Now, Desmond Ritter obviously regressed a little bit. He actually, I don't care what the picks say. I actually thought he played pretty well uh, last week when he played the Saints. And he's got he's your this. You're, you're a Desmond Ritter fan. QB won that class, man. I had him. But uh, 
think I had Pickett like two or three. I think Pickett was two, but he was like a second. It, anyway. Bad class. The, the thing, but Ritter does have this weird like wily gamesmanship, very honestly Taylor Heineke-esque when he was at Washington, who's his backup now, where he'd play horribly and then he just guts these wins out. Almost Wilson-y in, in a way where he just, a switch activates when he needs to. So like this offense, it's not, it doesn't rank well. I obviously think Ritter's going to have a very bad day against this defense just because it's Desmond Ritter. And I really don't like, I like, it's a very Jetsy situation that they have two amazing players or three, London, Drake, London, Kyle Pitts, Bijan. And they just have trouble getting them the ball. And the rest of the offense is not good enough to really elevate them. Like there's, there's way too much, you know, Alan Lazard and Randall Cobb and Dalvin Cook in the Jets offense. Well, there's too much Kadero Hodge and Jonu Smith in the Falcons offense. So Collins. The, I say all that to say if they figure out a way to get Bijan going behind a very good offensive line that is extremely healthy, I think Chris Lindstrom might be an all pro this year. I think Jake Matthews, this is not Jake Matthews, like Caleb McGarry on the other hand has improved a lot. I think they built a really deep line too. Like if they get moving on the ground, which the Jets have had problems with the last couple of weeks, like Buffalo moved it against them on the ground. Raheem Mostert had a very good game, I think, against them. I don't know. The Jets could end up in a hole. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm pretty sure the Falcons have had their entire starting five start every game this season, right? Am I wrong? I don't, I don't think, I think I'm you're right. I don't think they've had a single offensive line injury, which – Dude, that that pisses me off. I'm just gonna say the Jets. <laughs> so we just listed 13 players the Jets have played. Yeah, it, it, it makes it makes me mad. But yeah, I, look, my analysis for this game is gonna be very similar to my analysis for every Jets game this season. Uh, I do think though that there is a chance, like a decent chance, they could win this game if only because Desmond Ritter is kind of perfect for for what this Jets offense is trying to make opposing quarterbacks do. He is one of the most turnover-prone quarterbacks in the entire NFL when it comes to fumbles, when it comes to interceptions. He, he, he's very, very prone to mistakes. And that's how this Jets defense thrives. And if they're going to have any chance of scoring on offense, they're going to need to get great field position. They're going to need to get takeaways. And I think the Jets can do that against this Falcons team. Will it happen? I don't know, man. I really don't know. Like you said, they have a great running game. Bijan Robinson is a top five running back in football. Uh, he is, in terms of talent, one of the best offensive players maybe already in the league. Tyler Algier is an excellent, excellent compliment. They have a couple of really good tight ends. They, like, they have pieces. Drake London, I think, is, is still a pretty good player. Like Their offense is talented. Obviously, I think that they they – they have a hole at quarterback. I know you might you might disagree. You might still be holding on hope Desmond Ritter could be that guy. I don't think he's that guy. I don't think he's going to be a long-term starter in the NFL. Uh, I just think I don't think the big plays are there enough to balance out the turnovers. It's it's like it's like if Sam Howell wasn't as explosive as he is. Like it's it's like if you take half the big plays Sam Howell makes away, that's who Desmond Ritter is. That's that's kind of my mind because he, he you're right he does have that gunslinger Taylor Heineke mindset, but he's just. He's so turnover prone and not explosive enough. And maybe you could blame Arthur Smith. Maybe you could blame some of that on the offensive scheme. I think you absolutely can. Um, but I, I just, you know, I think that Desmond Ritter is going to make mistakes against the Jets. I'm not worried about Ritter beating them. The only concern I would have for the defense is they 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 have been prone to allowing some some big rushing games in the past. A lot of it is on volume, but I do think this Falcons rushing attack could pose, pose problems for the Jets defense. Ultimately, though. The only chance they have of winning the game is if they force turnovers and get their offense in favorable situations, and maybe they can luck into a touchdown with Brees Hall or Garrett Wilson. It's the same thing we say every single week. Well, the thing, though, too, is like this is not your grandfather's Falcons team. This is actually a very good defense. 
I yeah, know that they've is. had ever since Grady Jarrett got hurt. I think that's what really sucked all the fun out of their run defense because Grady Jarrett's just so good. Calais Campbell's still very productive, but this secondary legitimately is very good. They brought in a new DC, Ryan Nielsen. He's done a tremendous job. Jesse Bates has been they, every single penny they put into Jesse Bates has been validated. That's a great, a big contract, but he's performed up to it. Like I know that there's really no like for this Jets offense, you can't say all right, maybe if you play a bad defense that we could get going because they played the 32nd ranked pass defense already in the Chargers and they did nothing. So I I get that, but I if they could lock in on Wilson, which other teams lately have been locking in on Wilson, like. I don't care if Brees, if this is the game Brees Hall breaks out. Like, I don't trust. Do you trust Timmy Boyle to sling it? No, of course. Because I don't. And then what's going to happen is, of course, it's going to be the same sort of thing. You're going to kick a bunch of field goals, and then it's probably going to be 12 to 6, and the Falcons are going to get the ball back, and then Bijan can take over. That's that's the fear. And realistically, that's probably what's going to happen. <laughs> if we're like, being honest. willing to say so in a prediction? Sure. Yeah, I, I, I'll, I'll say it. Falcons win. Uh, I'll say the Falcons win this game. I think the Jets get a couple of takeaways. I, I think I'm going to say three Jets takeaways and they still lose by by let's say final score. Twenty four to do I want to say the Jets score a touchdown? Twenty four to nine. <laughs> twenty four to nine. Yeah, you have to ask easy. questions like, will they score a touchdown? I think they they think they end up getting three field goals mostly because they turn two takeaways into points and then maybe they have one drive where it's like a two minute drill and they get in the field goal range. That's my prediction. I think the Falcons. And Jesse Bates falls down and Wilson will. Maybe, yeah, maybe something like that happens where they you know it's like a slant over the middle and then Bates collides with AJ Terrell and it's like oh all of a sudden he's running free. Uh, it's something like that. I I think I think twenty four to nine is fair. You know the Falcons they'll eventually get theirs on offense if the Jets keep giving them the ball back. Their running game is too good and the Jets defense will eventually wear down like they have been in recent weeks 24 to 9 feels fair to me um so yeah i'll say that i'll say 24 9 falcons win i was gonna say 21 to 13 right online you, you know how i knew this team was cooked and no one's really mentioned this yet but this was the the moment to me where i knew timmy boyle wasn't doing anything early in the game it was like the second drive maybe guy jumps off sides they get a free play and he checked down into the flat on a free play Yep. So when you can't, yep. like, I don't care what level you're on. You see a guy jump, you wing that thing as far as you can. He's checking down. I, re- I read Steven Ruiz's quarterback rankings, and he has, like, a joke about Tommy DeVito, too, where it's, like, biggest strength. He seems like a nice young man. Yeah. But every quarterback at least has a profile. Tim Boyle. What do you even he say? regards <laughs> him as so pathetic, he doesn't even, like, make a real profile to analyze him. He's like, I can't find one trait to build a game plan around. His, he always does a biggest strength, biggest weakness, and for both, it's friendship. <laughs> like, not, that, like, he's not even – that's how pathetic they are. Like, they're not even – they're not even analyzing this game as if they have an actual quarterback. Because they realistically don't. They don't. What sucks, what sucks, and I know we're a minute and ele- or an hour and eleven minutes in, but like, like they could have just started Trevor Simeon. Like they still could have done it this week. If they're saying, "Hey, Rogers coming back, maybe he's going to return," and oh, he's going to return only if they have a chance to the playoffs. Like they're still not technically eliminated. I think if Trevor Simeon starts this game, they have a better shot to win it than Tim Boyle. But obviously, the Jets aren't going to do that. So it's not worth even discussing. But obviously, I think we'd both agree that Simeon would be the better option. We'll say we're, we're both going Falcons. Uh, I have a feeling we're both going to be right. But knowing the Jets, if they if they win this game, Mike, you know what's going to happen. If the Jets win this game, 
that optimism is coming right back. Like the eternal optimism is coming right back to this fandom because Aaron Rodgers just returned to practice. People are going to look at that schedule and be like, yo, we can run the table until Rodgers comes back. Look at us. We did it again. We, we somehow grinded out a win against the team. Uh, no, I don't want to say that they shouldn't beat, but they scored points is a, is a miracle at this point. Uh, so I, 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 I felt think- optimistic after t- exactly two games this year, Kansas city and the Eagles. Yeah. Yes, I think even, I even that. Denver. I felt like they left so much just on the table with how they were playing yeah. at the time. The Giants, oh, we were just like confused. We didn't even know what happened. It just felt and like a Bills, fever dream. The Bills was Rodgers, obviously tearing his Achilles and people being yeah. like, well, that's the end of the season. Uh, and also kind of lucked into that win, too. But yeah, I, I think that optimism will come back if they somehow beat Atlanta. But neither of us are expecting that to happen. You can check us out, though. After that game, we'll be live streaming at a rare 1 o'clock game. It's nice to finally have a 1 o'clock game. Oh. After months of primetime Jets horridness in front of everybody. Selfish, Jet Amazon you know, paid, I believe, $100 million to broadcast that Black Friday game. They paid $100 you know, million to show Tim Boyle to everybody. I can't I can't believe I hope they make that an annual thing that they do the Tim like the the Black Friday game every single year so that we could always say that the first Black Friday game Tim Boyle started a quarterback I really want that to be a fact or, or never do it again so the Black Friday game the only one Tim Boyle <laughs> I don't know which one's better either they're, they're both funny <laughs> I think the is better honestly yeah that, they, that Tim Boyle started, and they're like, well, we can never do that again. <laughs> so, so you could find our reaction to Tim Boyle sucking against the Falcons there, and you can find all of our stuff on Apple, Google, Spotify, Overcast, all the podcast platforms. We're on all there, YouTube and TikTok. Make sure you give us a like. Make sure you leave a five-star review. Justin, how's the Jets offense got you feeling? <laughs> How do you think, man? how do you think not good not good i'm glad we got to do the jets rap that was really fun i had a good time doing that i always like adding those little wrinkles to the show because otherwise it's just we're talking the same stuff we're talking the same jets monotony so i hope you guys all enjoyed that and i'm serious send me your jets rap i want to see that uh because that would be really that would be really fun to be really interesting anyway thank you all for joining us on the show today you can follow mike on twitter at by mike luciano follow me on twitter at justin t freed follow jet press at the jet press download the jet press podcast wherever you get your podcast also check us out on youtube and tiktok subscribe like hit that notification bell you guys know what to do i've been telling you for weeks for months we stream live every wednesday at 3 p.m eastern time and live immediately following every jets game which will be this sunday thank you all for listening to jet press podcast i've been justin freed that has been mike luciano We'll see you guys next time. See you guys after we get rittered in 4K in a one o'clock window. I am not looking forward to it, I think is a very gracious way of saying it. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. 
Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.